Well, today we're continuing our message series uh, on the letter of James. We've been looking at that the last few weeks, and the focus of James's letter, uh, his purpose in writing this letter was to give the Christians who would read it uh, guidance and instruction on how to become a mature disciple in Jesus Christ. He was painting a picture for them of what that looked like. And James knew Jesus very well, and he wanted every Christian to experience the life that's available to us when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to make us like Christ. And he describes that person as mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that was James' goal that he holds out to us throughout the book. And throughout his letter, he's comparing this mature and complete person to a person uh, who is double-minded or a person who is of two minds. And this Christian is the person who says that they're a follower, yet uh, that they have faith, but then their actions don't line up with their words. They say that they're a follower, but they're not living as Jesus taught or as Jesus lived. And James's letter is unique in that it's a lot like the book of Proverbs as you read through it. Uh, you know how Solomon's always like giving these little bits of wisdom and uh, talking about how to be wise and what the unwise do. And he gives little pictures and examples uh, of this unstable, tossed-about ways of this kind of person uh, warning us not to go in that direction. And today we're looking at another concern of James. We've talked about doubt and anger and favoritism. Um, this morning we're talking about um, the kind of Christian who says that they have faith, but then they don't have any deeds to evidence that. They're lacking in good deeds. So I, I've called the message today a deedless faith. And if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, <clears throat> I got uh, a little thing going with my throat today, Rick, so you may have to give me a chance every once in a while. <clears throat> but uh, turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. Oh, last week we were in chapter 2. We're going to backpedal a little bit uh, and look at chapter 1, starting in verse 22. And this is our memory verse for this week, this first verse of this passage. So let's read it together. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. James 1, 22. And then James goes on. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. I'm wondering how many looked in the mirror this morning before you came. Anybody? <laughs> Pretty much 100% of us did that. Uh, it's just a normal part of our morning routine, right? At least if we're going public with our faces. We, we just want to look at those for a second and see what we look like. A and we do that because 
Well, we don't want people to see us at our worst, right? Uh, the unpolished version. And, and I thought about coming today without doing anything with my hair, but then when I looked at it, I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> I just, I know I would, you know, express the discomfort <laughs> of doing something like that, but um, I couldn't do it, and I gave myself an out, uh, the excuse of I didn't want to ruin anyone's baptism pictures. So uh, you all helped me out this morning. But the truth is that we don't want people to see the unenhanced, unkept version of ourselves. And James' concern is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are becoming like Jesus. And when we read his word, that it's transforming us, that we're not just reading it and not following it, what we see there. Listening doesn't make us any more like Christ than looking in a mirror and not combing your hair or shaving transforms your appearance. And he says if you're relying on that approach, which we wouldn't do in our uh, day-to-day lives, would we? We're deceiving ourselves, and, and it just doesn't work. But look again at what he promises in verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If we look intently, and and that that word means to continually be looking at it and, and learning from it, Not forgetting what we've read, but doing it, we will be blessed in what we do. Isn't that a great promise? To know that when you respond, you'll be blessed in what you do. And and the metaphor that we've been using uh, in this series is the metaphor of kudzu. And as some of you might be familiar with uh, the kudzu vine coming from Florida, but... uh, We've been looking at things that take root in our life and take over. And these are some topics that James lifts up. So if you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look at James's prescription for getting free of deedless faith so that we can experience that blessing in all that we do that uh, he promises in verse 25. So the first thing that we need to do is recognize that spiritually mature faith is not gauged by information, but by application. It's not what you know, but what you do. Now, if spiritual maturity were measured um, by Bible knowledge, the Jews would never have crucified Jesus Christ. Uh, They knew the Old Testament inside and out, and yet they killed God's Son, the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And churches today don't split because they don't know the Bible. They split when they're not applying the Bible. Transformation is about application. And you aren't more presentable just because you look in the mirror. Uh, It's because you do something about what you see there. And, And if I came into church today and hadn't done anything with my hair, you wouldn't say to me, oh, I see you looked in the mirror this morning. (laughs) You would wonder if I forgot to look in the mirror this morning. And James says in verse 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
It's not about what you know, but what you do. And it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you know, how many times you've read through the Bible, how battered the cover of your Bible is. If you don't do what you read, if you're not loving others, if you don't control your tongue, if um, you favor some and ignore others, and and any of the other uh, on James' extensive list of items that he has in his letter, if you hear without doing... James says, you've missed the point. And I was writing this uh, message this week and actually working on this part about hearing and not doing. And I was feeling pretty comfortable with it. I think I'm somebody who has responded to the gospel in a number of ways, feeling like it was something I could preach about and uh, feel okay with. But I think that we can get comfortable with a certain level of obedience and deceive ourselves about just how faithful we really are in doing what Jesus taught us to do and living the way Jesus taught us to live. And I discovered that that was true in my life uh, when Forrest came home from school and he began telling about a movie that they had watched in school that day. The, The name of the movie was Ruby Bridges. I don't know if you've seen it, but you can watch it on YouTube if you're interested in it. The whole thing's there. But it's about a little girl uh, who was one of five children that were chosen by the NAACP to integrate a white school in New Orleans in 1960. And they were chosen because of their likelihood to be able to succeed in that school. And um, what happened was four of the parents decided they were not going to allow their children to be a part of that. And so Ruby Bridges was the only little girl going in to integrate uh, this school. And there were hecklers. There were threats against her family from both whites and blacks. Uh, She was six years old and facing all this pressure and anger. And so there was this psychologist who had heard about her story, and he volunteered his services to kind of meet with her regularly and see how she was doing and kind of help her process some of the things that she was experiencing. And when he met with her, um, he discovered that she had this great strength and courage that he hadn't expected to find. And when he got to talking with her, he found out that it was uh, her, she got her strength from her faith. Uh, she told the psychologist that she was able to walk past all of these screaming people because she remembered all that Jesus suffered and that she would pray for these people on her way to school each day uh, and pray for them, the people that were yelling bad things about her, just as Jesus prayed for those who yelled bad things about him and killed him. So each day she walked under armed guard. Do we have that video? Uh, so she she faced this every day uh, with people threatening to kill her and poison her, and yet she continued to pray for them in the car on the way to school. And he was telling me this story, and it just, you know, I was feeling good about myself, and it just really hit me. Uh, her story raises the bar on application. 
Uh, here was a child who had a really, really difficult assignment, and she was able to apply God's word to her life in ways that I don't do as an adult. And um, my tendency, and, and maybe this is true for you too, is that uh, when somebody criticizes me or something, you know, my first inclination isn't to pray for them. It's usually to complain, you know, <laughs> to forest about them. Uh, you probably don't do that, but uh, <laughs> you have your own people. And, and of course, um, her story is just one of many stories of faith. And Paul says it's dangerous when we compare ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> uh, and that's why he points us to, to the Bible and tells us to read and respond to God's word. Jesus presents us with a radically different set of values, a radically different way of living, so radical that I think our tendency is to pick and choose the parts that we're going to obey. Uh, our tendency is to say, well, of course I'm not going to murder anybody. That would be wrong, but, you know, a little gossip doesn't hurt anything. Or I'll forgive this person, but I'm not going to forgive that person. Or I'll give a little money that I have left over, but I'm not going to tithe. And I wonder how different our relationship would be, uh, how much better we would sleep at night, how much more fruitful our churches would be if we didn't pick and choose the parts of the Bible that are easy to apply, but instead apply, applied all of Jesus' teaching, even the parts that are difficult and require sacrifice. And, and that's where faith comes in, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't take faith to love those who love us. It doesn't take faith to do good to those who do good, good to us. It takes faith to love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. It doesn't take faith to give a little of our excess. It takes faith to give 10%. It doesn't take faith to forgive those who are easy to forgive. It takes faith to forgive those who are on their 70th time needing it. And, and I think the question that I put there in your notes um, is the question that James is posing both in chapter 1 and chapter uh, two, and it's my question, it's not James, but um, the question is, can we really be a person of faith if we only do the parts of the Bible that don't take faith? <laughs> that was the question that God hit me with <laughs> this week. It takes faith to apply Jesus' teaching and to live as Jesus did. And that's why James points us towards application. Maturity in Christ is gained by applying his, che his teachings. When we recognize that, then it will get, we'll get free of the deedless faith and experience God's blessing on the things that we do. And then the second step is to see our good deeds as our yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. I want to be clear that we're not saved by our good deeds. We are saved by grace through faith. I mean, that's very clear in the Bible. Um, but our good deeds are, in essence, our yes to Jesus' question, will you follow me? We haven't really followed him until we do what he taught us to do. 
go where he tells us to go. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to walk in his ways. And Jesus fed the hungry, he healed the sick, comforted the brokenhearted. If we don't do the things that Jesus did, we haven't really accepted the invitation to follow him and become like him. And I think that that's what James is addressing in chapter 2 when he um, picks up the topic of faith and good deeds again. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles uh, to chapter 2, starting in verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. If you claim to have faith, but you have no deeds, can that faith save you? Now, that's the question that James poses, and it's one of the most controversial passages in the New Testament. It's controversial because it seems to contradict what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where he, he writes this, for by, the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, So some people will get a little uh, tense because of James' statement that there's there's possibly a faith that that doesn't save you. But James isn't saying we are saved by our good deeds. He's questioning if there can be a kind of faith that has no deeds. Uh, If there is a faith like that, is it really a faith that would save you? Uh, It's certainly not the kind of faith that is the natural outflow of having Jesus' spirit in you because Jesus moves us towards the needs of people. Uh, Before Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. Good deeds, acts of kindness and mercy are ways that we imitate Jesus' way of life. They are the visible response or our answer to Jesus' invitation to come and follow. And as we see our good deeds as a response to that invitation to follow Jesus, that we haven't really begun to follow him until we have good deeds, then we'll recognize the opportunities every day that we have to do that. Then in the third way, the third way that James presents us to get free of deedless faith is Uh, to see good deeds as an opportunity to partner with God in carrying out his plans. And verse 20, James goes on with his reasoning, and he says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he gives some examples of two people who had the kind of faith that was useful not useless. And he lifts up Abraham and Rahab and uh, people who were considered righteous not because of their faith alone, but because of what they did. 
They responded to God. They acted on what they heard God calling them to do, and they found themselves partnering with God to bring about world-changing purposes. And as we respond to the opportunities that we have every day, we'll find ourselves being used by God for his purposes. Uh, I like a quote I read this week. Uh, It's by a Jewish theologian. It says, It is within our power to mirror God's unending love in deeds of kindness like brooks that hold the sky. I liked uh, liked the sound of that, but when I read it, I thought, well, that's odd. How does a brook hold the sky? But as I thought of it, it's like if you look at a brook, brook, it reflects the sky, doesn't it? It, And uh, the sky is there. And so even though you're looking down, you can see the sky. And I think that's a great metaphor and a motivator for us. Even when people are looking down, instead of looking up because of life circumstances. When life is beating them down and things are hard and they're looking at the circumstances or the problem instead of looking up at God, your kindness, your comforting words, your bowl of hot soup, your card in the mail, your phone call, your donation to the free store your or the food bank, uh, you repairing their home or cleaning their kitchen, Through your good deeds, you become like a brook that holds the sky, a mirror of God's unending love and goodness. Good deeds are a reminder of God's love and his presence with us. Oh, you see this all the time, don't you, when there's like a hurricane or something and and people are just devastated, but then Christians start showing up with food and with water and with clothing and and you hear people on these new ca- newscasts, and they're saying, you know, it was like God showed up. Uh, we remind them of God's presence with them, like brooks that hold the sky. And I've seen this so many times in my ministry, and I'm sure that you have too, when God has used your kindness and your good deeds or your ministry or something that you're involved in to make a difference in someone's life at a time when it was needed most. God gives us these opportunities every day to join him in the work that he's doing of restoring lives to himself, of comforting, hurting people, feeding the hungry, clothing and caring for those who have little immaterial goods. And James says if we don't respond to the needs around us, we've missed the point of faith and become effective and unproductive. But if we will respond, we will be blessed in what we do. Now, If you'll pull out your connection card, I want to talk to you a minute about this. Every week you have this in your bulletin, and every week there's three or four ways to respond to the message. And when you do that, it raises your level of commitment up. Just a simple little check on a box. And, you know, being a pastor, I have the privilege of hearing the stories when people check a box and they actually do what they say they're going to do and I get to hear how God uses it in their life. And some of them are amazing stories, stories of restoration, people checking a box saying they're going to forgive somebody and then they come and tell me, I talked to my son this week for the first time in 10 years. You know, so that's why this is here. Uh, uh, there are probably some of you who have never checked it, 
But I would encourage you to do it because God calls us to be doers, not hearers. And this is one of the ways that we raise our level of commitment to doing. And you don't have to do these three, you know, but apply God's word to your lives. So let's look at these. Um, the first is memorizing our memory verse, James uh, 1.22. The second says, I'm committing to finding at least one way to apply today's message and or the scriptures that I read this week. And number three, I'm going to be intentional about responding to opportunities to do good de- deeds um, around me this week. All right. And these go in the uh, collection plate when the offering is received later. Let's pray.